At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing. It's the call-up, and we have the second half of the Futures Game roster breakdown, this time the American League, for the Friday episode. Jack, we are going to keep it under an hour and a half today, though. I hope so. We went 90 (laughs) minutes the first time, and we were like, we were going to do all of them, and then we spent about five to seven minutes on Andrew Abbott. And we were like, wait, this is totally unsustainable. So we we kept it to the National League. And uh, yeah, hopefully we're getting the American League done in under an hour here. Before we get into the American League, though, and we can do like the non-baseball related, like shoot the shit, how you doing thing, if you want. Um, but I also have the list of like updated guys that are filling in for players that are no longer playing in the Futures game. Yeah. So can we start with the, with the fill-ins kind of keep everybody briefed? Because there were some important fill-ins, one of them being from the National League where by the time we put the episode out, the roster change had been made. It was Jordan Lawler being added uh, into the lineup now or onto the roster, at least for the National League team, which is super exciting because Lawler has been putting yeah. up ridiculous numbers through low A and now getting acclimated to high A. What are the other uh, swaps that we have? Well, in the National League, we we saw and we talked about Mark Vientos uh, coming on in place of David VR who's now with the Giants. And then Brian Bayo, who's now with the Red Sox, was replaced by outfielder Dustin Harris in the Rangers yep. system. So Dustin Harris is now an AL Futures game participant. Um, Mark Vientos, NL Futures game participant. You mentioned Jordan Lawler. He's taking the place of Henry Davis, yep. who's back on the IL after re-aggravating his wrist. Um, and then three more replacements. And uh, two of them, uh, four of them, actually. Four? No, three. I was right. Three, uh, two in the national league, one in the American league, the two in the national league, Jose Ferrer, um, of the nationals replaces his, um, fellow organization mate, Cade Cavalli, uh, Cavalli will not be participating in the futures game. So it's Jose Ferrer. Uh, also our guy and guest on the call up, Joey Weimer replaces Ezekiel Tovar. Saw that. Uh, so Tovar off Weimer invited to the futures game. He'll participate And then in the American League, Nick Prado is up. (laughs) Nick Prado is going to play in Toronto along with Michael Massey. Dude, how about, I mean, 
honestly, I think I'm more inclined to watch this Royals roster than the other one with all the anti-vax guys um, with, <laughs> with, Prado with, with, and with Michael that... Massey up. I mean, all the guys that are on the restricted list is yeah, like 10. Toronto on hell 10 on hell. Zerpa is starting the game today. Like they called up for their top 10 prospects. I, I love it. I love it. And it's obviously the circumstances are kind of wild, but I, I love that it forced the Royals to call up, you know, some top prospects. And I mean, you look at what Nick Prado's slow start was dynamite over the last month. Yeah. I mean, the guy was putting up like a 170 WRC plus. I mean, just absolutely raking it. I'm, I'm excited to see him up there now and get a chance there. But yeah, a bunch of shuffling right now for the futures game. Yes. And, and Prado off final move is um, I know a guy that you like Alec Marsh is taking Prado's place. So Marsh, the pitcher is taking the place of Prado, the position player uh, again for rare in place of Cavalli and the Joey Weaver in place of Ezekiel Tovar. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting with Marsh. We'll get to him like really good stuff, but probably not putting up quite, quite the numbers that you'd hope, but a lot of swing and miss there, but we'll start with the pitchers and kind of fly through it. Uh, a little bit more efficiently this time, like we said. And uh, Taj Bradley, a guy we've talked about on the show a little bit. I mean, a guy that we got to see in person, uh, a dude that can really pitch. And it's the fastball that sets a tone, nasty slider along with it. It's kind of that raise mold, right? I mean, having the high spin fastball and the just sharp horizontal breaking slider. We saw Bradley in person, but really honestly, Jack, since we saw him earlier this year, he has seemed to step his game up a little bit. His command has improved. The fastball seems to have ticked up. Slider command wasn't there when we watched him. It is there now. I went back and watched. It looked like a different guy overall. And not that he looks bad when we saw him, but this is just a different dude. 21 years old. He's got a 170 RA in double A right now, Jack. I mean, he's striking out nearly 11 batters per nine, walking only two. This is another raised prospect that has just developed incredibly well and uh, could be looking at, you know, a, a good spot in the big league rotation by next year. Yeah, and doesn't it kind of feel like he's just beaming with confidence at the moment? We saw yeah. him and we saw, damn, high spin fastball, ton of ride, lives at the top of the zone. He should be more confident in that. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, he's a lot more confident in that. And, and he's just letting starts rip with that fastball. The thing that throws me about Taj Bradley, um, he's got that electric fastball. He can snap off a good slider here. Bradley, you mentioned 74 innings. He's got a 170 RA and he's walking 2.2 guys per nine. He's still striking out 11 per nine. So the stuff is still playing. The other thing, three wild pitches. That's nothing for a minor league pitcher. Yeah. Three wild pitches on the year. Yeah. How on earth does that happen? I'll tell you how. It's a guy that excels the top of the zone, belt high and above, and can snap off a slider and has confidence in both of those pitches to place them within the strike zone and get swings and misses within the strike zone. And only a 5% home run to fly ball rate. Four home runs this year in 74 innings is really impressive. Blake Hunt behind the dish also helps a little bit with that as well. Great defender back there. Uh, a guy that's really boosted his stock this year. Someone that I didn't really know how to feel about. Hunter Brown, a pitching prospect in the Astros organization, has really been good this year. He was somebody that I was not really expecting to to make this leap this year, I, I thought maybe middle relief kind of option, maybe for the Astros and not that they're desperate for pitching in the starting pitching, at least realm. And he could end up being more of a swing man for them, but Hunter Brown has been spectacular so far in his second stint in triple a 
238 ERA. He's striking out more than 12 per nine. The command is is a little bit of a question. 32 walks and 72 innings. That's good for four yeah. walks per nine. But he's limited the damage. He's not giving up much contact at all. Only 48 hits and in 72 innings. So while he is walking guys, it's not as big of a deal because he's not really giving up much hard contact whatsoever. And he's striking a lot of dudes out. Hunter Brown seems to be developing really nicely for the Astros, a 23-year-old who I think should put his stuff on display. It's a plus fastball and a hammer curveball. He can also mix in a slider. This guy could be a pretty darn good starter, command obviously being the big question. Yeah, Detroit stand-up, grad of Wayne State University in Detroit. Shout-out Hunter Brown. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been great for the, uh, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Um, and last year – I do want to point to that hits number that you were talking about. You mentioned 48 hits in 72 innings last year. The whip was at one, four, two this year, the whips at one, 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 because the hits per nine have gone from eight and a half per nine to a flat six hits per nine, yeah. six hits per nine from a guy that can start and can go five, six innings with those 12 punch outs per nine. Like you're mentioning, I understand the command was, but if you're not allowing very many base hits, we see a guy with minimal command and lights out stuff excelling for the White Sox. And I think he's second in the American League in strikeouts right now yeah. in Dylan C's. Like you, I don't like watching it personally, it works, but it works. You just have to have the, the mold of, of three, four pitches that you can attack a guy with and you know, the ability to get a swing and miss on almost any pitch in almost any spot. And I think Brown has that kind of stuff. So he, he's, he's an interesting guy that again, is in a good organization to kind of help him maximize his stuff. I mean, we've seen the Astros do that with plenty of vets. We've seen them do it with their youngsters now with Javier, with Luis Garcia, with Framber. It's not a coincidence. Think about what was happening with McCullers last year. Lance McCullers was so good last year. Everybody looked at him as a frontline guy. He was leading baseball in walks per nine by a very, very yeah. wide margin. He led everybody in walks, but here we are. He's got things that nobody can touch. They've got another guy like that. 100%. And I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, what how they weaponize him at the big league level. And uh, uh, this is one of those timing things where he might pitch in the futures game, make a couple more starts in the minors, and then you know, could get his opportunity at the big leagues the second somebody goes down. Or if they, you know, want to use him in some sort of, reliever capacity uh, a guy that has also you know made some some strides this year after being drafted in the second round in 2021 part of that just ridiculous draft class of pitchers from the LA Angels uh, they've seen a lot of those guys start to, to look pretty good and Kai Bush I would say is leading the way there or at least one of six foot six lefty 22 years old putting up really solid numbers in double a he put up good numbers overall last year in, in short stints we only saw about 12 innings but the numbers were really strong there this is a pitchability lefty with good stuff across the board fastball has some good ride to it slider works well off of it and he mixes in you know that that bender that slower bender of a curveball I, I saw some iffy grades on his command but i think the command is above average and that's why he's been successful uh he's a big dude that still repeats his delivery pretty well for his size for a big lefty and uh, this is a much needed prospect for the angels and just one of those pitchers that they really wanted to go get and throw into their system. And I've heard nothing but good things about him from those who have had to face him in double a, uh, he's a difficult at bat hits his spots well and, and mixes pitches. Well, is a solid pitcher for the angels. Yeah. Really weird backstory on Kai Bush. And I'm sure that the broadcast is going to get a little bit deeper into it. Um, maybe we'll, we'll see what they want to do there, but Kai Bush from Ogden, Utah and Ogden, Utah is kind of middle of nowhere. He was drafted out of high school. He opted to go to Washington State. 
And in 2019 at Wazoo, he was awful, like full-blown awful. 39 innings, 77 hits, 55 earned runs. That's a 13 year. He was terrible. And then he goes to the Alaskan Summer League. He goes dark in 2020. He didn't pitch at all in the COVID short in 2020 season. And then he resurfaces at St. Mary's, the Gales, which is the uh, the team that contends with Gonzaga in basketball in the West yeah. Coast Conference every year. He resurfaces at St. Mary's and has a sub three ERA in 14 starts. And he strikes out 112 guys. He walks 19 in 78 and a third. So he went from being drafted out of high school, out of middle of nowhere, Utah, showing up to the Pac-12, getting ran out of the gym, getting ran out of the conference, goes to Alaska, things start to click in seven starts in the Alaskan Summer League, and then pitches again in 2021, is good enough to get drafted in the second round um, by the Angels, and then here he is throwing to a three-and-a-half ERA with Rocket City in double-A. What a story. It's a, it's a little bit not, not as dramatic, but similar story with Tarek Skubal at Seattle, uh, who you know was was a disaster in the early parts of his career, and then you know really figured it out. This was even more dramatic uh, from Kai Bush and uh, St. Mary's is a place that's turned out some good talent over the last couple of years. We got Corbin Burns, Tony Gonsolin, Pat Wisdom, Kyle Baraclaw, Mark Tian, just to name a few. So maybe Kai Bush could be the the latest name. And it's funny just because you look at him now and you'd be like, oh, that's just a polished lefty who has really just probably carved his way through every stop of his baseball career. Not so much. Nope. And, and that was a really interesting backstory there that I actually didn't know uh, on, on Kai Bush. But the numbers are strong. Fastball sits 92-94. He'll grab a five when he needs it. Uh, and then the slider is a great, you know, 82 to 83 mile an hour pitch off of that. Also a solid changeup as well. Next up is a pitcher who has probably come out of nowhere, I would say, for most people, unless you're a Tigers fan. Uh, Wilmer Flores. Wilmer Flores related also to the other Wilmer Flores. I believe they're brothers. Uh, Wilmer Flores, right-handed pitching prospect in the Tigers system, 6'4", 225 pounds. He has been dynamite this year. The, the slider is one of the best in the minor leagues, I would say. And the fastball, has, it has the profile that you want to have off of that kind of slider. He has put up ridiculous strikeout numbers and it continues to prove that this isn't a flash in the pan and just continues to like double down on great starts after great starts after great starts. This is a dude we talked about in the last episode. This is one of those guys I think people are going to see a slider and he's going to be on pitching ninja and people are going to be like, whoa, wait, Wilmer Flores is a brother named Wilmer Flores. And it's going to, yeah. it's going to get viral because of that, but also because of the fact that a slider even caught the attention in the first place. You know, it was funny last year. He was like just good enough to keep on climbing, but he was not spectacular by any stretch. And last year was his first year um, stateside And like, here we are. I, I think he was drafted, right? I think he went to Arizona Western college. Maybe he was undrafted. I think in he was undrafted. I think that sounds right. Maybe undrafted in 2020, but I know, I know that he came stateside and first year in the Tigers organization was last year as a 20 year old. And, you know, he's, he struggled in three appearances in rookie ball, but then he went to low a Lakeland and was like three and a half ERA and 11 starts, like pretty solid this year. He starts in high a after a rough go of it in the fall league for a couple innings in high a, he was gross. He was sub two ERA and six appearances, 19 and two thirds, 35 punch outs, two walks insane in high a so then he goes to double and through 10 starts he's got a 2-4 era i mean he he kind of just came out of nowhere this year he turned from eh, last year to holy cow who is this guy he's totally deserving of you of a futures game nod this year 
And I mean, what's also amazing is the stuff is great, but the command has stayed there too. He's striking out more than 11 per nine, but keeping the walks at 1.7 per nine. Spectacular. That's at the double A level too. So it's not just a, a high A situation where you can just dominate guys with your fastball and, and one breaking ball and, you know, kind of be in business. He's mixing it up. He looks really good. He's pounding the strike zone and he's getting a ton of swings and misses. 52 strikeouts against eight walks. It's as good as it gets. It's really as good as it gets for a young pitcher. And remember, he's actually still just 21 years old pitching in double A with high, high success. Yeah. And I'm sure you know what it feels like when you're locked in. Like, I, I'm sure this guy's just been locked in. He probably had something click at some point in the spring and he was like, damn, I feel good. And there are certain guys that when they're locked in, doesn't matter what level they're at. Like they're still going to throw to a sub three ERA. There's a chance that Wilmer Flores could be pitching for the Tigers right now and be striking dudes out and not really walking very many dudes. Of course, big league hitters are going to figure something out quick, but I mean, like he's locked in. It's very obvious that he is locked in this year. And I mean, the, the breaking ball is what really kind of leads the way for him. 44% chase rate on his curveball, uh, swinging strike rate of 22%. I mean, that, that's got to be one of the best in, in the minor leagues, period. And again, he's got the build to it, 6'4", about 240 pounds is what he's listed at now. Big boy. Um, that's a big dude who, who really commands his stuff well at the same time. Speaking of command, Emerson Hancock, somebody yeah. that when he was drafted, and we've talked about this, seemed like a more of a stuff first guy and. Now he's more of a, uh, you know, I would say pitchability guy first, but also has the stuff to complement it. He's posted nearly actually the identical numbers to last year. Actually, this is pretty weird. Overall, I know it was a small sample size. We only saw 14 innings in double A from him last year, but he put up an 8.56 K9 and a 2.63 walks per nine. Through 10 starts this year, he's done the exact same thing. So we're seeing Emerson Hancock of the Mariners organization you know, really mix up his three pitches pretty well. Uh, I would say even four pitches pretty well. Sometimes the breaking balls can blend together. Uh, but I think the biggest surprise to me is that the fastball isn't quite as lively, not a plus fastball like we thought it would be. But even so, finding a lot of success, 2-4-1 ERA in those 10 double-A starts, but only 41 innings. So I want to see them stretch him out a little bit. Obviously, the Futures game is not going to be where that happens. Uh, yeah. But he, he is still a very talented arm who I guess the, the Mariners are treading lightly with. You mean that in a seven-inning game, when you have 10 pitchers on the roster, a guy's not going to go six innings? I don't think so. But it's funny. They're kind of treating him like that already. <laughs> like, he's going two, <laughs> two three, four-inning starts. I know. Um, yeah. With Hancock, this is his second Futures game. And just looking around the industry, we're actually higher than on Hancock than I think anybody else is this year. And, and I don't remember where you stood last year, but at the beginning of last year when he was drafted, he was you know, a top 60 guy. He was 57 for Baseball America. He was 31 for Pipeline, and he was 50 for Prospectus. This year, going into this season, 87 by Prospectus, 82 by Pipeline, and not in the top 100, according to Baseball America. Oof. And we still have him as a top 70 guy. I think he's a top 70 guy. The stuff obviously plays. And, it, and if he can throw all of his pitches for strikes, I think you're looking at a guy with a lower ceiling than Kirby, but not far off in the floor department. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because I think what, what, what resulted in some of that, like air being let out of his balloon a little bit, I guess, is that the stuff wasn't plus across the board like they were hoping, but you know, 
you're looking at a dude that still has an above average to plus slider. The fastball's still good. It sits 94 miles an hour. Uh, I mean, it's it's a good pitch, and he locates it well, and, and he gets swinging strikes on it. And he's got a good feel for the changeup overall. It's really not bad. So is he going to be an ace like we once hoped when he was being considered as maybe the 1-1 at one point? Probably not. But this could be, like you said, a I think a little bit of a watered-down Kirby, which is still great. I think he could be a very solid middle-of-the-rotation starter. Uh, but I think just some of the, the, the reason, like the stuff just not being quite what what everybody imagined it could be has hurt him a little bit, but at least he's compensated for that with really solid command. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, I, I'm thinking who was an incredibly successful college arm that, you know, just threw everything for strikes and might not have the craziest stuff. Oh, I know the guy that was taking about four picks after him in 2020 Reed Detmers. Like, yeah, I think it'll be very similar to Detmers, right. Where he's a mid four ERA, but obviously like when the stars align, Reed Detmers can throw a no hitter. Like mm-hmm. that that's who Emerson Hancock is. There's a chance that he can put together great starts, but overall I, I think he's going to take a while to find himself. And I think that the stuff needs to tick up most like, you know, mostly like Reed. I think Reed, his stuff needs to tick up. I think Hancock's stuff needs to tick up and, I don't think there's much that they can do in the minor leagues to hope for that. I think it just happens when they're like 25, 26 years old. No, I agree. And it's one of those things that just, it seems to to come later for a lot of pitchers. I've looked at breakout prospects now all the time when we're doing those episodes or writing articles. And it always seems like there's an uptick sometimes at 24, 25 years old for some of these pitchers, whether they find something workout wise, or it's the man strength that kind of comes on later. There's a lot of different things that can help you there. Uh, but kind of on the opposite side of things is, is Jack Leiter. And Jack Leiter, of course, was always going to be in this game, no matter how well or how poorly he, he pitched. could have a 20 ERA. He was going to be in the, yeah, he, he could legitimately be the worst pitcher in the minor leagues. And, be in, and you know what? I know we were talking about it last time that it, it's sometimes it's just the names. I would still want Jack Leiter in this game with a 20 ERA because I can watch this guy pitch all day. He, he carries himself so well. His stuff is great. But right now, it's just not looking great out of the gate for Jack Leiter. And I think the double-A assignment was a little bit aggressive because we have to remember this was somebody that didn't throw that many innings in college, had that big, I guess you would call it junior season. But ultimately, we didn't really see a large, large sample size. He didn't have a ton of innings under his belt to really just mature. And and he's already mature, I mean, mentally, but like physically on the mound and just gain that pitch ability and gain, you know, just that comfort and feel it was a big assignment to send him a double. And in 50 innings so far this year, Jack, he has walked 30. He is punching out 62, but he's got a 6-3 ERA. And I, I, that got, you know, I, I would say just bumped up quite a bit in his last outing. He went less than two innings, gave up seven runs. So prior to that, the ERA was a little bit more reasonable. Uh, but I think the double-A assignment was just too aggressive. That being said, I'm going to enjoy watching him throw in the Futures game. His stuff is great. I'm going to enjoy watching him throw in the Futures game too. And, and listen, man, I mean, double-A baseball, I, I don't want anybody to tell me that throwing in the SEC is comparable to any level of minor league baseball because it's just not. It's mm-hmm. not. Um, and, and you can watch college baseball and say like, oh, these guys are good. This has to be equivalent to like high A ball, double-A ball. I've heard that so many times. It's just not. No, it's not. It's not. Not even Jack the I mean, not even the Cape, dude. The Cape is probably equivalent to what we saw from like rookie ball yeah. from like the, the 18, 19 year old, you know, yeah. dudes that, that just came over from the Dominican Summer League. With Jack Leiter, when he threw 110 innings at Vandy last year, under four hits per nine against him. Yeah. Now he's allowed 50 hits and 50 innings. 
Which so, is fine. That's normal. It's normal. It's normal. But like he was you can't never walk gonna, guys with that. No, I mean, like, I think that the days of having like this stud starter in college um, going right to Major League Baseball are over. Now, a guy like Crochet, who was sitting 100, 101 when he was taken and like Ben Joyce, you could take Ben Joyce from this draft and put him directly in Major League Baseball. Yeah, those are really throws 100 and he throws 125 miles an hour. Like, yeah. That's that. He's an outlier. Lighter is 93 to 95 for the most part. And he was the type that filled up the strike zone. And now he's not filling up the strike zone because he's lacking confidence because he's seeing the best hitters that he's ever seen in his life. Exactly. You can't just get out of a three, one count by blowing a fastball by a guy. Every yeah. Time. That's not how double a ball works. You can get those, you know, you locate it well, but you, you, you saw Jack Leiter at times last year. I would, I would watch most of his starts and again, super talented. And, and I, I'm a huge fan of his, the way he carries himself, his athleticism. I know he's going to figure it out and he's going to be just fine. This is more just about the approach here. Three, one count. He could go middle, middle with a fastball. And, and unless he's facing Dylan Cruz or somebody like that, he's just not going to get burned with that high spin, 95 mile an hour fastball, 97 mile an hour fastball. He could go middle, middle and, and erase that hitters count. You can't do that in, in double A and seems like he's falling behind guys early. The fastball command is a little bit sporadic. He's spraying it right now, uh, but the curveball has looked pretty decent. The slider has continued to look better. That's probably been his best pitch this year. He's sitting about 95 miles an hour with the fastball, 85 with the slider, upper seventies with the curveball. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And this is just some necessary uh, adversity here. I just think that the double A assignment was probably a little bit quick. And I, I think we're in agreement on that one but he's going to figure out how to swim. He's going to figure out how to survive there. And once he figures out how to survive, he will start thriving and then he'll go to AAA. Well, you know, you know, who's thriving Ricky Tiedemann. Yeah. Tiedemann of the Toronto blue Jays left-handed pitching prospect to another really emergent guy because Yes, he was drafted relatively early in 2021. He was a third round pick 91st overall, uh, but I don't think anybody expects their third round pick 91st overall to out of high school, just be able to carve the way that Tiedemann has. And he, he made a mockery of low a competition in 30 innings. He struck out nearly 15 per nine and put up a 180 RA. He gets to bump up to high a, and it's been more of the same two, three, nine ERA striking out nearly 13 per nine. And the walk rates actually dropped by a full walk per nine. So you're seeing somebody really start to hone in on his command a bit more. Tiedemann's got good, really good stuff, deceptive release that it makes it kind of difficult to pick up and command that continues to get better at 19 years old. This guy's starting to look like one of the more exciting pitching prospects in the game. 103 punch outs and 67 and two thirds innings across low and high A like that. That's going to play anywhere. And, and we talk about a guy like Wilmer Flores being locked in. Ricky Tiedemann is as locked in as anybody. Um, Tiedemann, I, I think it was a Juco guy, Golden West College was he, in California. Was he a Juco guy? Yeah. I think he was a Juco guy for, for a year, and I, I don't know how he did in Juco, but, you know, this is a guy who's 19 years old that is up in just high A. Just 19. Just turned 19. Literally just turned 19. Or no, uh, about to turn 20 here. Oh, I have a bad August. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. about to turn 20. Um, But, I mean, like this is a teenager who is – excelling in high a, I, I think he's at a new Hampshire very soon, right? Eight starts. He's got a two, four ERA. I think this is a guy that, you know, he's got until August 18th to get to double a as a teenage pitcher. Do we think he can do it? 
we talk about rushing guys and everything, but I don't know if it's if it's really rushing Tiedemann at this point because he's he's using everything too. It's it's the fastball he's dominating hitters with. I'm curious if we'll be able to do that at the same level, kind of like we're talking about in double A, but it'd be a good challenge. The changeup is is what really helps him though, is the mid-90s fastball with his changeup working off of it, and then he has the slider as well. The fact that he's already got three pitches that he has confidence in that he's posting, you know, above average swinging strike rates on. That's a guy that could probably climb pretty quickly. And at 6'4", 220 pounds, he's got the build. The, the command getting better at the, after the promotion is another huge thing for me. I'm really excited about what this guy's doing. And I, I think we could see him in double by the end of the year. Ricky Tiedemann has faced 260 hitters. How many guys have hit a home run off of him? Honestly, I, I, I'm not looking. I can't see it. So I'm going to say he's given up two home runs. He's given up three home runs. Ooh, that's impressive. No one's barreling this guy. Nobody. I and, mean, and, and can I say one thing? Guess who hit one of the home runs? Uh, low A or high A? I think it was it was uh, high A. It was Kyle Lewis on a rehab start. Ha, okay. And that then Noel V. Marte. <laughs> two and a half homers, yeah. we'll call it. Yeah. And Noel V. Marte, too. Call it two. It's one of the top prospects in baseball and then a big leaguer. Uh, yeah. Literally rookie of the year. So, I mean, Tiedemann's special. He's hard to, hard to barrel up. And I'm excited to get more looks at him because, admittedly, I've not seen a ton, but so far so good from Ricky Tiedemann. Guy that just made it into our top 100 in the preseason, Ken Waldachuk. Yeah. Left-handed pitching prospect in the Yankee system. He rounded out our top 100 list last or going into this season. And Waldachuk is another southpaw who's deceptive, hard to read his stuff, we gave out the, the Trevor Rogers comp kind of with, with Kyle Harrison. I think Ken Waldachuk might even be more Trevor Rogers than Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison's a little bit more Kyle Harrison, if that makes sense. Like he's got some uniqueness to him. Waldachuk is very similar to Trevor Rogers. It's a fastball that is tough to pick up with ride from his arm, from his arm slot, which is a, like a three quarters ish arm slot. Then he has the change up from that same tough spot that you can't tell the difference until it's too late, similar to Kyle Harrison. And then the slider has improved so much. So now he has those three pitches. But the fastball changeup combination, top, bottom of the zone, working both of them, he is so hard to hit. And his velocity has ticked up this year, closer to sitting in the mid-90s now, which has been a huge help for him. He's been really good this year and and could be pitching his way to the Yankees soon if if Severino's hurt and some other guys might be hurt. He might be one of the first dudes in line. Uh, to be able to get an opportunity in that rotation. Second St. Mary's Gale, we're talking about Ken <laughs> Waldachuk. Um, yeah, I mean, Waldachuk, like, he got he got the double-A assignment at the beginning of the year, and that was too easy for him. Like, it was just, it, it was pretty much an F you to the Yankees for putting him in Somerset. It was like, no, I'm a, I'm a triple-A arm. So he, he gets to triple, and um, he's normalized as much as you want, right? A, a mid-three ZRA, so he's still looking good. Um, do you think he could get up there as a swingman as a multi-inning reliever this year. Yeah, I think so. There's, there's a more of those fastball change up relievers now. And I think it, it, he could really just lean in on that. And in spurts, I think he'd be more 95, 97 in two inning spurts. He's really always been a starter. I have no idea like how he's going to survive there um, since he's gotten, I mean, so far this year, he hasn't made an appearance out of the bullpen. No. I wouldn't mind seeing him make a couple appearances out of the bullpen and we're going to get the opportunity to see that in the futures game. You know, we, we saw that the Yankees use Luis Heel in a few different ways. And I, I'm very excited because this is a specific spot, Jack, like you mentioned, where 
in the futures game, we can actually get a taste of what his legitimate role could be. I want to see him in a one inning spurt. See if he pushes some 97s pushes some, maybe even touches some 98s. I think he's, he's, it's capable or he's yeah. capable of it. I've seen him touch 97 in spots in starts. Could he get an, a, you know, it, I think if you have him in one or two inning spurts too, he might be able to snap that slider a little bit harder. The stuff might just tick up a little bit, but so far this season, he's been really good. He's been able to mix in the slider, the change up a curveball as well. It's, it's just a great arsenal with command is, is somewhat of the question, but I think for a big lefty, he's gotten better and better in that regard. And I, that would be a great role for him. I would love to see how he does in that role for the Yankees. And you can stretch him out if you really need it. It's kind of similar to how even Nestor was serving a purpose for them last yep. year, similar to, to that kind of role as well. I, I think that that is probably where he best serves the Yankees this year. And I genuinely think that he can serve the Yankees a good purpose this year, especially if, if Seve's issue is as serious as we think it could be. Yeah. And I and hope everything's good with Seve because I mean, he's so good when healthy, but that's always the big, if, not healthy yeah. when healthy, speaking of healthy, the last picture we're going to talk about here is Yasver Zuleta. I hope I said that right. Tore his ACL last year. So he was, he was out pretty much for the entire season. Uh, now back and started in high A, now in double A. They're using him in really small spurts as well. Nasty stuff. Fastball that sits 97, a good curveball and a good slider. Screams reliever to me, especially 24 years old, but a really good one. He's rule five eligible, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Blue Jays decide to navigate this because I could see a team taking a chance on just somebody with his kind of stuff, a plus-plus fastball and a good breaking ball. I could I could see that. Uh, so we might see him get a chance in the in the big league bullpen, but this is somebody I'm excited to just see in person, or not in person, but see you know a little bit more of on, on a normal camera angle and see how the stuff works because it looks pretty good on paper in terms of the metrics. Um. Let's see. Has anybody I I'm scanning the internet for a possible pronunciation of Yasver Zulueta. Um, I've never, I had never heard of this guy when he appeared on the, on the futures game roster. I was like, who him and an outfielder that we're going to get to. I was like, I had no clue who they were. Um, but yeah, I mean, very short spurts. Uh, they like, there's nothing that, you know, I can take away from the baseball reference page here um, and, and I haven't had a chance to watch him. So uh, listen, if you, if you've seen enough um, and continue to gush about him, I will figure out a way to properly pronounce his name and I'll, I'll let you know next time we hop on a mic together. I haven't seen enough to, to gush about him, but I'm excited to see him in the futures game. Cause I know his, his fastball is really fast. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm looking forward to, but I can't pretend that I have uh, much to say on him, but that's what makes the futures game fun is every once in a while, there's a new guy that you can get a little bit of a look at and, and you might, it might be the first kind of uh, almost display introduction. Yeah. The introduction for them to the prospect world in a lot of ways, getting to the position player side of things. We'll start at now catcher. We got Yaner Diaz over in Houston yeah. and he has some ridiculous power for a catcher. I like the glove. I like everything about this guy's game behind the dish and, it's funny because they have Corey Lee, but Yaner Diaz could end up kind of leapfrogging him at some point, potentially, if he continues on his trajectory. Diaz, 23 years old, plus raw power, good defender, doesn't strike out a lot, doesn't walk either. He swings a lot and makes a lot of contact. That's fine for my catcher because he runs in to home runs. 
14 homers this year already between double A and triple A. I've even heard from some guys in the Astros organization that have said, man, you got to see Diaz just, just hit. You got to see him take batting practice. Like he's got crazy power. His 106 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo would, would attest to that. That's about five miles per hour above good and about eight miles per hour above average. So this is a very, very solid all around player. And uh, he's, he's, Really interesting because I don't think a lot of people know about him. Yeah, I, I knew I had heard the name before, and I was like, where have I heard this name? And then it turns out he was a Mahoning Valley scrapper in 2019. <laughs> so I, I saw him play a little bit in short season ball with the Cleveland Guardians organization, and he was with Phil Maton at last year's deadline. He was shipped from Cleveland to Houston for my, or, uh, Miles Straw. Yeah, from Cleveland to Houston for Miles Straw. He went from Houston to Cleveland. So I, this is a guy that the Guardians viewed highly, not as highly as a Bo Naylor or a Brian Labastida, so felt okay moving off of him. You said that you wouldn't be shocked if he displaces Corey Lee. I'd be kind of shocked if he displaces Corey Lee. I, I just think the bat might be better. It might just be better. We'll With see. Corey Lee's defense, Corey, Corey Lee is a great defender. Well, that might they might be the tandem in the future, right? Like Maldonado might just ultimately be the Maldonado. How old is Martin Maldonado? Thirty-four. Yeah, I mean, like, he plays like he's forty-eight. Yeah, he looks really old. I mean, I know he's hit the ball hard this year, though. Like as hard as ever. But relatively speaking, that's not saying much. Um, I, they could have a nice little tandem. You know, I think it, it could be a, a young tandem of of catchers here, and both have good enough bats. Especially, I think Diaz's bats probably long term going to be a little bit better. Yeah. could justify maybe a little bit of a DH split as well at times. It just gives you a little bit. I know. Yeah. They, they put just him paid in, their DH. They put them in the outfield. They put Alvarez in the outfield. You know that they do that sometimes. It just gives them a little bit of flexibility, but having a catcher who can swing it and also defend, what are you going to do? You tell them to kick rocks. I don't think Corey Lee is, is a shoe in uh, the way that, you know, maybe it's, it's, made out to be in some ways. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, a, it's a good insurance policy regardless. I understand. Yeah, it's it's nice when your insurance policies in the futures game for sure. <laughs> exactly. Dylan Dingler is another one that I know you've liked Dingler for a while, uh, even coming out of Ohio State where he was playing center field <laughs> at the time when he was getting drafted, you know, splitting time between catcher and center field to tell you what kind of athlete he is. The Tigers got a good one there, 38th overall in the 2020 draft. The bat slowed down big time when he made the the jump to double A. That's common. It's a lot of uh, of an undertaking when you know, you are trying to adjust defensively and offensively at the double A level now settles back in this year. He's been much better offensively walking twice as much hitting for more power and just all around a better hitter. 102 WRC plus 240, 327, 405 slash on eight homers, a little bit of swing and miss there, but he did not have that many ABs under his belt due to COVID injury, some other things throughout his collegiate career uh, injury limited him from the Cape as well. So he is relatively young, even though he's 23, he's young in his professional development or even in his just baseball development in his life. I mean, this is somebody that can continue to get better before our eyes. And, and this is not the best of Dylan Dingler, which is still an above average, well-rounded catcher at the double A level. Yeah. You said a little bit of swing and miss. I'll just, I'll scrap the little bit. Like he's got swing and miss. He's got a hammer out here. And you know, this is apparent this year. He's got 93 punch outs in 71 games. Last year it was not that apparent 36 punch outs in 32 games at high a in 50 games in double a 62 strikeouts in 50 games. So, you know, like he is swinging and missing more. And I don't know if that's, you know, an emphasis on, on trying to hit for a little bit more power. He's got eight pumps so far this year. Um, I, I think when he's at his best, he's just like 
the most athletic player on the field. He's the catcher that could go play anywhere else. And, and I feel like he's not doing that right now. I think he's trying to be something that is unnatural to him. And what's natural to him is not only good enough, but it's, it's possible star. What, what I will say though, is I do like that. He's walking twice as much, right? So if you're, if your strikeout rate's going to go up what 1% at the double a level, but your walk rate is going to go up 4% as well. You take that K to BB ratio any day of the week. I still agree. He's got to cut down on the swing and miss, especially because he's not going to be a guy that runs in as many home runs as Shay Langlier's who we're going to get to. So yes, I think with where he's at in his development, not that many ABs under his belt, even going back to college and in the summer circuit, he'll get there. And would you not say that this year, though, overall has been a step in the right direction after how he struggled in double last year? No, he looked overmatched by double A pitching last year after the call up from high A because of what you mentioned. He was trying to get acclimated defensively and the defensive change, the defensive comfortability gets emphasized from a catcher over offensive. So last year was the defensive chance to transition. This year is the offensive chance to transition. And I, I think this version of Dylan Dingler is better than the one that, you know, we saw at the double a level, but uh high a last year, as I, I think, you know, best case for Dylan is what Dingler. he can be at yeah. the highest level. That's what you're hoping. It's what for. he can be. And I mean, athletic catchers, you know, you know, we love that. And, and that's exactly what he can be more traditional High-end catcher, though, is, is Shea Langliers, who's an elite defender, uh, or at least fringe elite uh, in, in terms of what he can do behind the dish, rocket for an arm, moves really well. Centerpiece, if you ask me, in that Matt Olson trade, and really should be up now. And it's really a matter of whether they part ways with Sean Murphy or not. Yeah. And that's really the only reason whether Shea Langliers will be the starting catcher in Oakland, because he's hitting 273, 366, 505 with 16 homers, 12% walk rate, 23% K rate. That's in AAA. So I'm not sure what, what else you really want from your catcher at this point. He's 24 years old. So I, I think he, it, it's time to see what he can do. There's not much more defense uh, pro, uh, production, or I guess, defense improvements that he really needs to make. Let's let's get this guy to the big leagues. But I am glad that we're going to get to see, a, see a, a good look at him in the futures game. And this guy's going to be a good catcher for a long time. And hopefully it's the last look at him as minor leaguer. I mean, yeah. I'm. I'm done with Shea Langoliers being in the minor leagues because you mentioned like, what are we waiting for? And, and Shea has done all he has needed to do to get the bump. Um, it's literally all about Sean Murphy and, and Sean Murphy should go. It feels like the A's front office has been on vacation all year. Yeah, I, um, I don't know what they're doing. So they should get rid of Frankie Montas. They should get rid of Sean Murphy stack with more prospects and uh, allow Shea Langoliers to be your everyday catcher because he's going to be your everyday catcher for the next six years before they refuse to pay him uh, when he hits the open market. <laughs> yeah. Unless the team relocates by the time he uh, hits free agency, we'll see. What hey, the deal he might is not have that. to move. He's a Las yeah. Vegas aviator right now. He might just stay in Vegas. Just by the time they call him up, they might be in Vegas. Yeah, already. Be like, Hey man, we're moving. We're coming to you. You're not coming to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but he is a very, very, very high floor catcher who, could also give you more than enough ceiling. And I think could be an all-star at the position, given the limitations offensively that we see there uh, where there is no shortage of offenses is in the infield. And Gunnar Henderson has really emerged now as one of the best prospects in baseball. I think we saw baseball uh, MLB pipeline, put him at five, which is wild in their update, but you can really understand why one of the youngest players just turned 21 years old at the AAA level has mashed at every stop so far this year and going into the end of last year, 
makes incredible decisions swing wise, does not expand the zone, can hit lefties. His 90th percentile exit velo is top of the charts. I mean, 107 mile an hour, 90th percentile exit velo is absurd. He can go foul pole to foul pole with home runs. He is a good shortstop, could be an elite third baseman. This guy's quickly turning into one of the most exciting prospects in baseball, period, and could help the surging Orioles not too long after this Futures game. This might be one of our last looks at Gunnar Henderson, the prospect. Dude, that that Miller high life after that cycle must have felt so good on his <laughs> 21st birthday. You got to crack into the champagne of beers. Um, the champagne yeah, I mean, of beers. <laughs> he hit 312 with an OPS over 1,000 in like 50 games in Bowie. And they said, damn, this is kind of crazy. Like, you're still 20, so I guess we'll move you to triple. Uh, and, and here he is, you know, just still wrecking triple A pitching. Um, I was texting with a buddy, like, think about how nutty it is that the Orioles could be replacing winning 10 in a row, like having all the excitement up at the big league level. The Orioles next year can replace Rugnet Odor, Jorge Mateo, and Ramon Urias with Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, and Kobe Mayo. That's cheat code. It's cheat code. And that's not even considering like Taron Vavra, who's been swinging it really well in triple. Vavra's been solid in triple. Yeah, I mean. It's it's and I, I still like Connor Norby. They've got Kyle Stowers. They've got, of course, Colton Kowser. Heston Kerstad's been dominating uh, through the lower levels. This is such a fun system. I'm interested to see what the Orioles do. But Henderson's ascension into blue chip prospect status just really helps put them over the top. And it seems like this is all happening while the big league team is thriving. So much fun. Before I move off of Henderson, numbers across all the levels so far this year: 293, 428, 538 slash line. 18% walk rate, 21% K rate, and 161 WRC plus. I mean, that's just some next level stuff right there. Dude, next up I mean, is Curtis Mead. And Curtis Mead yeah. of the Tampa Bay Rays infielder starting to tap into that power again, starting to really get going and got, you know, the promotion to triple A. Of course, Mead has just continued to do what he does, and that's hit. But in his 56 games in double A, 305, 394, 548 slash line, 10 home runs, 10% walk rate, 18% K rate. Easy plus hit tool, above average power that he continues to get better at tapping into. I think he can play a decent third base as well. Curtis Mead is a high floor, but really solid prospect at 21 years old. Is going to be the kind of guy that I think can, can do a little bit of everything. 280, a ton of doubles, and mix in 20 to 25 home runs. Get on base at a high clip if it all works out for him. Yeah, I, I feel like we've gushed about Curtis Mead a lot, especially after our Deep South trip. So I'll just leave it at uh, great accent. I was listening to the Rays radio broadcast and they were talking to uh, Taj Bradley and Curtis Mead about, you know, being invited to the Futures game. And uh, Curtis Mead in, in his, you know, Aussie down under accent was, was talking about how his family won't be able to be there because they were, you know, in the U.S. for a month and they just flew back to Australia. But his girlfriend and her family is going to be there. So uh, he's going to have a support system. And he said it in a super funny way. So uh, that's my hit on Curtis Mead. He's funny. I love the Australian accent. and <laughs> he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. Um, another dude that's a lot of fun is Jackensie Noel, who is, yeah. is still is he still pacing the minors and homers? I think so. I mean, last time I checked, he was. This dude mashes 25 pumps already this year. Sure. There's some swing and miss, but he's 20 years old. 
They're going on 21 very soon and already playing through the, the higher levels. And he's limited to probably DH first base type of situation here. But the power is immense. 90th percentile exit velo of 109, which is off the charts, even at the big league level. The power is 70, maybe even close to 80 grade raw power. He's tapping into it. Consistency is a question, but man, I'm going to watch Noel every time he gets up to bat in this game, just in the off chance that he runs into one 480 feet, which could very well happen. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. So young Kensi Noel has 25 homers, which is in a three-way tie for the lead. Um, Moises Gomez. Do you know who the other one is? Moises Gomez, the third guy. Yeah. Oh no, I'll be mad when you tell me. Nicholas Northcutt. Oh no, I actually wouldn't have known that. Yeah, Red Sox guy, low A and high A. He's got 25 pumps. <laughs> Good for Nicholas Northcutt. Your guy and uh, guest of the call up, Matt Mervis, is the minor league leader in RBIs right now. Dude, Matt Mervis is insane. They should have put him in this game, to be honest. If it really was yeah. about about the best performers in the minor leagues, Matt Mervis, first player in minor league baseball with 20 doubles and 20 homers, should be in that game. Uh, but unfortunately. Merv does not get the nod in this one, uh, but we move on to, I want to say his name right, Sedan Rafaela. We've talked about him because that is 100% dude in the Red Sox system that has come out of nowhere. Rafaela, aggressive as all hell, swings at everything, but he hits everything. And that's really what's been impressive, has not really blinked since being promoted from high A, where he hit 330, now hitting 282. In double A, nine home runs in 45 games in high A, seven home runs in 29 games in, in double A. He is just not slowing down. He's also swiped 19 bags. He's athletic. He makes great plays in the outfield, but can also play third. He's a plus runner. This dude came out of nowhere, and, and you look at it, he's like, this is this could be five-tool potential. Just another Curacao guy. Another yeah. native of Curacao. I love Curacao, man. I mean, on the Hill, you've got Jair Jurgens who came out of there, and, of course, Kenley Jansen, but Ozzy Albies from Curacao. Andrew um, Jones. You've got Andrew Jones, Jerickson Profard. I said Andrew Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I'd, yeah, Andrew Jones. Um, then you've got Jerickson Profard, Jonathan Scope, Andrelton Simmons. I mean, this is kind of awesome. So, Sedan Rafaela might be uh, the next guy. The next goat from Curacao, um, I had never heard of him. He is listed um, at 5'8", 152 pounds. He's not 5'8", 152. There's no um, shot. No, and I mean, like, he's just kind of a freak. I mean, a 940 OPS across high A and double. With plus speed and plays outfield and play that, like plays all over the place. I mean, yeah, sign me up for guys like that. Good find by the Red Sox. Like you said, Curacao is a hotbed for a talent. Uh, Next up is Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer of the Minnesota Twins organization. Second base, third base has been one of the best performers in the minors this season, similar to how Jose Miranda really put it all together. Maybe not quite as dramatically, but uh, has been that guy for the Twins so far this season. 19 homers, a ton of doubles as well. 23 doubles to go along with that. Doesn't strike out much. I believe in like the 16, 17% range. Walks at a near 10% clip. Just a really, really well-rounded ball player uh, who probably projects more as a second baseman but can play third if you need. Above-average hit tool, above-average power, above-average speed. Similar to to the way that Miranda just emerged and you're like, this guy is safe and solid. Won't make as much impact offensively but is a little bit more versatile. It's another big leaguer that could be a very solid one for, for a good amount of time. 
Yeah, I've got a really quick hit on Spencer Steer. But before that, one more thing on Sidon Rafaela. His first is a uh, full name, Sidon Chipper Nicasio Marte Rafaela. That, yeah, new favorite player. <laughs> new favorite player. Uh, Spencer Steer, my, my only thought on him is he is the lowest risk guy playing in this futures game. Yes, I, up there for sure. I, I'd have to, maybe on the National League side, is there somebody? I mean, uh, the only guy that comes close on the American League side for me is Shea Langoliers. Yeah. Yeah, National League side, I'd go like Corbin Carroll. Or, yeah, but like I, Carroll's got a way higher ceiling. Like I think Steer is like, Steer's floor and ceiling are almost identical. Yeah, they are almost identical. And it's, it's a good big leaguer. And he's going to be, I think he's going to be a really solid option for them. And th- he could be a trade piece though. Um, I mean, the, the Twins are going to be aggressive and I'm sure teams would love to get a very close to big league ready infielder who can play multiple spots and, and bring some athleticism. An infielder who is untouchable in the last infielder we'll talk about is Anthony Volpe, who we just talked about him on the Just Baseball show, actually. Uh, he has posted a 1,000 OPS over his last month or so. Uh, he's really just put it all together. He's striking out 10% of the time, 11% of the time uh, over the span, hitting home runs, stealing a ton of bags. Anthony Volpe's fully back to that guy we were gushing over last year. And I love that he's overcome this adversity and is right back to being the guy that he was last year. Now at the double a level, it's good for guys to hit a little bit of a wall when they climb and then work through it. Volpe has done exactly that. And that just makes me more and more confident. He's talking about floor. There's another dude that when you can do what he has done, work through looking like a disaster in the early parts of the season to be one of the best hitters in the minors over the last month plus. That's the kind of stuff that you look for. You talk about makeup and tangibles and, and all those things. Volpe checks those boxes. Yeah. Well, uh, he's what? He's Glaber Torres, but hit 300. And uh, <laughs> I don't, he's, he's everything that the Yankees wanted from Glaber Torres. Yes. Uh, that's correct. what the Yankees hopeful are, are thinking yes. about Anthony Volpe. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Volpe's like, Volpe's the shortstop of the future for the New York Yankees. Yeah. And, that's cool. You're going to get to watch the shortstop of the future of the New York Yankees for maybe the next 15 years. I mean, it took a while, but they finally have the heir to the Jeter throne. It, it, they right. thought it was Didi Gregorius. It wasn't Didi Gregorius. It's Anthony. No, Bull. he held it down fine enough. But but it, it, if you ask me, aside from Judge, maybe one, you know, a guy that's not currently on the big league roster yet or has not been on the big league roster for five years or whatever who could be the next guy to have his jersey retired, though the Yankees are running out of jerseys, I would go with Anthony Volpe. Like that's, that's a guy that could play his whole career, jersey kid, play his whole career in New York and have, you know, be immortalized in New York there. And now they'll have like five jerseys left to be able to use. Yeah, it's not going to be the outfield that we're, we're about to talk about? Uh, you know, if you ask some Yankees fan, maybe. Jason Dominguez, we might as well go to him next. You know what, though? I will say, because I love to joke about Jason Dominguez, just not even at Jason Dominguez's expense. It's more at the expense of everybody who was so hyperbolic about this guy for so long. He's a good prospect, right? And, and I think in a lot of ways, there's there's dudes putting up better numbers that belong in this game. But you you could look at Jason Dominguez and say, oh, he, he belongs in this game. And, and what he's been doing over the last, I would say, month or so, I'll, I'll just queue up the last 20 games. He's hitting 300. Jack over his last 20 games uh, for power walking more. albeit this is his second stint in low a for the wonderkin generational switch hitting Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle uh, that he was supposed to be, which again, is just unfair to him. Yeah. Let's just look at him in a vacuum and ignore that for a second. Last 20 games in low a 300, 424, 500 slash line. So 166 WRC plus 18% walk rate. 
18% walk rate, 22% K rate. Jason Dominguez is finally doing things that he is supposed to do. And I think some of it might just be relaxing a little bit. When I watched him, it was like he was always trying to make that highlight real swing. He's trying to hit that tape measure home run. He's trying to live up to the, to the expectations that his card investors had when they put $10 trillion into his cards. Yeah. Now he looks like he's just trying to hit the ball and be a well-rounded baseball player. And it's refreshing to see. This is a much better version of Dominguez. Think about Jason Dominguez, 18-year-old. If you're not a first ballot Hall of Famer, you are a fucking failure. <laughs> that's what Jason Dominguez was dealing with last year. I mean, I that's so unfair. I so feel unfair. for him. Yeah, you you mentioned the 18% walk rate. He's walking way more than a guy at his age with those tools should be walking because he should be saying, I'm the most talented baseball player alive. People literally call me the Martian. I'm going to put balls into orbit. He tried to do it last year. He fell on his face. He came back this year and was like, wait, no, I'm just a really good baseball player. Like, let's look like that. Yeah. And, and I'm glad he's doing that because he is a good player, but he, he had to really hone in on the nuances of baseball. And he's starting to do that. He's starting to actually put good swings on baseballs and it's okay to not, you know, get your A plus swing off every time and things like that. So that is really good to see a guy that also has some expectations um, as very prized international free agent, a name I've been hearing about for a while and the White Sox were able to scoop him up is Oscar Colas. And there was some questions about Colas's bat to ball. And, and I always thought those were a bit overdone because this was a player that was hitting really well in, in Japan, which is, we talk about how college is not the equivalent to the minor leagues. Japan is, is high a, maybe even pushing close. I would say it's probably more so high a, and he put up similar numbers in this high a stretch where in, 2022, 59 games so far this season, hit seven home runs, hit 311, 369, 475. Colas is a powerful outfielder. He pitched a little bit too at times, and he's not going to pitch anymore, but it's a testament to his arm strength. Could be a a fine corner guy if he moves well enough. But now up to double A, has had a couple of good games to start. I'm interested. I'm starting to be on Colas' watch now. If he continues to hit at the double A level, he's a very intriguing prospect, but uh, I, I'm excited to see him on, on that big stage because he has the ability to hit some mammoth shots. Yeah. And he's a former, a uh, soft bank Hawk, right? Was yes. he teammates with Carter Stewart? I think he could have been teammates with Carter. That's pretty Stewart. Cool. I honestly don't know. Um, I know he was teammates with former Chicago Cubs, Yoshi Wada, who is not allowed to see the lineup a third time through. Um, but yeah, I mean, Colas, like he's a big dude. He's hammering the hell out of the ball. He's going to be really interesting to watch in this game. And, you know, this is a guy who, um, a lot of pissed off White Sox fans are saying, just wait till Oscar Colas gets up. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Colson Montgomery probably should have been in this game too. And yeah, Colson should have been in this game. And then Lenny and Sosa, obviously, but Sosa just made his big league debut. For a White Sox system that absolutely stinks, um, those three guys are really helping salvage it uh, with what they've done this year. Yep. That's it. Just, just, yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this team frustrates the hell out of me. So we'll move on to Dustin Harris, who is a late addition. Yeah, I love Dustin Harris, and he has been really good at at every stop over the last two years. Hits, I mean, I I think pretty close to a plus hit tool. Tapping into more power, sneaky speed, can play a little bit all over. I'm a big Dustin Harris fan, and and I'm interested to see how the Rangers decide to use him. 11 doubles, 14 homers, 17 stolen bases. Yep. So power and speed. He's hitting 260, struck out 64 times in 71 games. So he is, you know, solid in the bat to ball department. He has good power. He's got good speed. Like there, there is something to like about every facet of Dustin Harris's game for sure. 
high probability big leaguer, it seems like, who can do a yeah, little bit. And a high everything. probability good one. Yeah. I love that. I'm here for that. Can play first, can play outfield. I think you could you could sneak him at third if you really needed it. Uh, a good piece for them and another good find, honestly, by, by the Texas Rangers. One of my favorite prospects in baseball, and I hope so much that he goes yard in this game because George Valera has – he's the king of bat flips. George Valera is one of my favorite guys to watch bat flip because he will bat flip opposite field home runs. Like he will just, he knows it right away. He pimps his homers as well as anybody. He has been one of the best hitters in the minors over the last two months after a slow sluggish start to his season in double a, the 21 year old has just been dynamite over the last couple months. And the guardians have a really good one here. Well, inside of our top 100 list is going to climb even more in our update. He has been spectacular and is one of the most exciting prospects in this game. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy watching this dude hit. Hitting 307 over his last 44 games, uh, 11 home runs across that span, 10 doubles, two triples, not striking out much, walking a ton, extremely patient hitter. George Valera is one of my favorite guys to watch. I was hoping um, that Valera was going to be up in AAA this week so I could see him before he headed off for the Futures game. The Indians are in Columbus right now. Uh, alas, I was, I have to settle for Richie Palacios, Will Brennan and Will Benson. So woe is me, surely. Um, yeah, I mean, Valera is getting too good for double A. He should be up. There's a chance he helps the guardians this year. If they're in a playoff push, he is as exciting as they come And another guy that has a little bit more swing and miss than the prototypical guardians prospect. Um, but he's walking a good amount. He's got a 380 OBP compared to a 280 batting average. I mean, he's he's hitting really well, and he is as exciting as they come. I'm with you. I, and it's funny. It's a good point. There is a little bit more swing and miss. But when you're so talented and so just unique. His bat speed is dumb. It's off the charts. And there's guys that are that good that force organizations to stray from their M.O., even the Rays, there's guys that are just so talented that they'll stray from their MO. Same thing with the Guardians here. I think they, they just watched Valera and they just probably said, he doesn't fit what we normally look for, but who cares? He's really good. Let's just hold on to him. <laughs> who cares? And I agree I, because even if he is not, even if he's striking out a bit, similar to Nolan Gorman, his slugging on contact is so good. He walks more. He's really patient hitter. He will be able to contribute in some way. Uh, I think at the big league level, if they wanted to do that this year, we'll see if they decide to, uh, but I, I, I love everything. This is, this is probably this guy along with Jose Ramirez could be one of your building blocks of the future in terms of what he can do offensively. Easily. There are like 10 of them down there too. You see Jose Tana at a four hit day yesterday. I'm excited. He might be sneaking past uh Rokio. You think so? It might be for another time, but he might be sneaking up on Rokio in terms of the bat. Uh, somebody that has been very loud. There's no sneaking about this dude. And you, I don't know if you've seen him yet. No, he's double A, so you wouldn't have seen him. Matt Walner, Minnesota Twins. You'll probably see him soon. So I think he just got promoted to triple. Outfielder, more of a corner masher, but masher is the word. 21 jacks in 78 games this year. And he is striking out 31% of the time, but walking 18% of the time. So much power really impacts the baseball. And, and he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so I, I saw him out on the Cape in 2018 with Falmouth. He hit four homers as a Falmouth Commodore. I think he hit six against Brewster. So of the four, six of which came against the Brewster. Oh, White. yeah. <laughs> he just annihilated the Brewster Whitecaps. Um, yeah, I mean, 
Walner is a massive guy with massive power, and he is he's a normal looking six five guy. You know what I mean? Like Chris Bryant's built like that, where he's six five, but he just looks like you or I. But if we yeah. were enlarged, yeah, that's what Matt Walner looks like, and, and he plays like it too. He plays like a very well coordinated big dude. Mm-hmm. What's wild though is is he hits the ball like he's built like a linebacker. Like yeah. The impact is crazy. He's hit some of the most towering shots of the year. And I, I'm excited to, to see a little bit more of him at the triple A level. I want to see how the baseball flies off his bat, you know, with, with the big league baseballs. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what kind of power upside there is here. But I think 30 plus is, is very clear uh, that that could easily be the home run potential that, that this guy has last player is Denzel Clark. We don't know too much on him, but I could just tell you how physically uh, projectable he is at 6'5", 220 pounds, 22 years old, started already starting to tap into that power, 10 home runs in 56 games between low A and high A in that A's organization. A lot of swing and miss. He's striking out about 34% of the time uh, between the two levels, but a lot of power, and he's walking a dis- decent amount. I, I'm, I'm excited to just see Denzel Clark because I've not watched, I don't know much on him. But when you hear that frame, when you hear the upside, you got to think that there's something here if, if he can just find a way to make enough contact. 17 for 19 in stolen bases. That too. He could be a, he could be a really well-rounded athlete. Um, he's, he's great lineage. He could be a really well-rounded athlete. He's also got some great lineage. He's cousins of the Nailers, Bo and Josh. Oh, is so he really? Is, yeah, another Canadian guy who's cousins with Bo Naylor and Josh Naylor. So um, he's got good people around him. And I think he has the chance to climb quick. It's just a swing and miss. That's that's the only thing. That's if, it. If if he can, and the thing is, is he walks, slugging on contacts high, good athlete. We'll see how he gets acclimated in in high A. I mean, if he can keep it under thirty percent like he did in low A, and, and continue to walk and hit for power, could climb up a little bit quickly. And uh, this is really his first legitimate minor league season. He only got a little bit of a taste of the complex last year, so yes. this is really his first opportunity to play in pro ball. Be patient with him if you're an A's fan, but. You need more prospects like this when your system's not as good as it should be. Uh, and hopefully Clark can develop into a nice piece for them. 100%, my man. This was fun. We got through it. We got through it. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Looking forward to this game. I'm sure we'll share our, our thoughts and recap it all uh, after the weekend. We'll circle back next week. We also will have some some more discussion on, I would probably say we got to talk a little bit about the update on Baseball America's Top 100 list. I would love to break that down with you next week, so we'll do that. That'll do it for this episode of The Call-Up. We will talk to you all on Monday. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.